you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter 1, uh, with the kind of the uh, different order of service. Uh, the person who will be preaching is also going to do the scripture reading. So we're going to do that in, uh, at this time, and we may switch back. But um, Philippians chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 3 through 11. And if you want to follow along with me, then that would be great. If you forgot your Bible, there should be a Bible there in the, uh, one of the chairs in front of you. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. Paul writes, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And then verses 9, 10, and 11 is going to be a prayer. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Amen? So, we have just read verses 3 through 11, and as I study for uh, preaching, as I study through a particular book, I, I, I really spend time of just reading it and reading it and reading it and reading it. And I can't remember which uh, particular uh, pastor in the old days, he uh, put a challenge out there. He said, I never preach on a book that I don't read through at least 100 times. And the, the point that I'm making here is, is in the earlier days of my ministry, the first thing I would run to is my commentaries instead of running to the scripture. And by God's grace, I started learning, no, I need to make sure I understand the scriptures, and then I will use my friends on the sideline. And in a casual reading of this passage, we can miss things that are there. And I want to show you what's there, all right? I want to show you by re-looking at some of the passage. I want you to look at the same passage, but I want you to look at it from Paul's perspective. And this, the, the passage is up here on the screen. Fourteen times in these verses, Paul is writing and he's referring to himself as me or my or mine. Fourteen times the Apostle Paul is giving his perspective and what he's thinking and what God's doing in his heart and his life. Right? You see that? 14 times. The next perspective you look at, if you just read through this time and time again, is you're going to look at it where he is referencing the church, the people in the church of Philippi. He mentions the word you, um, you all. See, he's southern. You all. Uh, he mentions that 10 times. So you have the Apostle Paul who would be like a church planter, a missionary, a shepherd. 
He's writing and he has his thoughts. He's thinking about God's people. But then look at the other passage here. If you, if you looked at the same passage again, you're going to see that the passage actually starts with thanking God for the people. And it really ends with the conclusion of praising God for what God is doing. And my message this morning is really going to be a reflection of and a consideration of these three perspectives. I want us to look briefly, I say briefly because really the first hour, I might have spent more time on this first section, and I'm like, no, I don't need to spend as much time on this, all right? I, I will hit it, but I'll go quickly. But I want to look at the, the life of a shepherd for those who are church planters, those who desire the office of a, 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 a bishop, those who desire ministry, a missionary, questions that a church pastor should ask themselves, right? We're going to look at the text from that perspective. And then we're going to look at it from a church membership standpoint, people who are part of the body of Christ. What does it say about this? And then, of course, ultimately, where is God in this passage? What is God doing? Where's the gospel as we would consider this? So you have the Apostle Paul, you have the people in the church of Philippi, and then God is at work. And really what we need to understand is that life is about relationships. The way that we say it here, our motto at community is that we love God and we love people. Really, that's boiling it down the two commandments that the Lord gave us in the New Testament, that we are to love God with all of our heart and we're to love mankind, we're to love people. And that's what you see here. You have the Apostle Paul who loves God. God's in his proper place. He's a servant of God. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. He's just a doulos. He's a, he's a slave for Jesus. He'll do anything, go anywhere he wants. A relationship of a shepherd to his people and their relationship with one another and their relationship with God. That's what we're going to see this morning, kind of help you out with that. Um, G. Campbell Morgan, one of the greatest expositors in his day, he said, there's one key that, that runs throughout the Bible from cover to cover. He said, think a minute. Can you name it? And this is what he said in the theme that runs from cover to cover. This is one of my top ten quotes of all, all time. And it's about relationships. He says, no, the key word is not love, nor is it God, nor is it sin, but the key word is relationships. You will not find the word itself, but you will find the thought spelled out from the beginning of Genesis to the last chapter of Revelation. The Bible continually speaks about relationships to each other, our relationship to God, our relationship to ourselves, and our relationship with our possessions. And this particular passage will help us in our relationships. And the title of my message this morning is Heartfelt Gospel Questions. And if you're ever desiring to be a pastor or a shepherd or a missionary or church planner, there's some, some questions that we're going to look at in the text that we ought to ask ourselves. If you're a church member, if you're a believer, if you're a follower in Christ, there's some questions that we want to ask ourselves from the text. And then there are some glorious truths about God that we want to enjoy this morning. Gene Getz said this about relationships and about church ministry. He said, Satan's greatest attack throughout church history from the New Testament times until today has been to sidetrack Christians onto peripheral issues. Creating disunity, bickering, selfishness, and pride. And what we need to understand this morning is that the gospel is what brings us into a proper relationship with one another. 
And as D.A. Carson said, only the gospel is strong enough to hold together the extraordinary diversity of people who constitute many churches, men and women, young and old, blue collar and white, healthy and ill, fit and flabby, different races, different incomes, different levels of education, and different personalities. The gospel is what brings us together. And I hope you can glory in the gospel of what the Lord is able to do in our hearts and our lives. So, number one, we want to look at the heart of a shepherd. Four questions for church planners, missionaries, pastors, shepherds, those desiring the office of a bishop from this particular text. And like I said, I'm going to go quicker through this particular passage than I did last time. But number one, am I thanking God for his people? The passage starts off in Philippians chapter 1 in verse 1 where the Apostle Paul, uh, verse 3, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. And he's writing this to the church of Philippi 10 years after first being there. He says, in all that I think and all the memories I have, I thank God for you. And when he's saying that, he's not thanking God for their possessions. He's not thanking God for the power that they have. He's not thanking God for the prestige or the, the positions that they may hold in the society, but he says, no, I'm thanking God for you. And the heart of a shepherd ought to be thankful for the people that God has brought to him. He could have focused in on their struggles because this church had their struggles it wasn't like a lot of the churches, but they had their struggles. Do you remember in Philippians chapter 2, he says this. In verse 3, he says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Let me stop there. Why would Paul write to the church and say, hey, Listen, don't do anything from selfish ambition or conceit. Why do you think he would say that? Because they were doing things with selfish ambition and conceit. And he's like, don't do that. So this church wasn't a perfect church. We know that just by his bumping that issue in Philippians chapter 2. But we also know it because Yodi and Syntyche that I mentioned last week in chapter 4, verse 2, that here's two ladies who loved God. Their names were written in the book of life. But they had some unresolved issues in the church that was affecting the church body. And the, and, and the Paul says to the church... In spite of the problems that I know you have, I just want you to know that I am thankful for you. And really, folks, we don't know a whole lot of other problems that they had. But could you imagine shepherding a church where there was division within the church over the leadership of the, the leaders within the church? Could you imagine shepherding a church where within the church that they were allowing incest to go on and immorality and it wasn't being dealt with? Could you imagine shepherding a church where there was like people were at odds with each other, even taking them to court, but coming together on the Lord's day? Could you imagine shepherding a group of people that, that there were some people who were wealthy and there were people who were not so wealthy and they came together for the Lord's Supper and when they came together, the people who had a lot, they went ahead and enjoyed the Lord's Supper and these people were working, working, working and they got there late and these guys are already done their worship and their Lord's Supper and there's that division. Now I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about the church of Corinth. That was the issues at Corinth but do you know what the Apostle Paul said about the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4? 
He said, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. In spite of their sin, in spite of their failure, in spite of their weaknesses, in spite of their carnality, their rebellion, their selfishness. Did I say that already? This was a messed up church, but the Apostle Paul, by the grace of God, says, listen, I just want you to know I thank God for you. And and what you see is that the gospel had made a difference. And yes, the people had their problems and their struggles going on. But the heart of a shepherd is to still be thankful for the people that God gives you to shepherd and oversee and care for. The Apostle Paul could have focused on his own problems. But he thanked God for them all in verse 3. He prays for them all in verse 4. He speaks well of them all in verse 7. He longs to see them all in verse number 8. As I thought about Community Baptist Church, I thought about those people who were not only at the first service, but they were like charter members. And this past week, I went over there in this hallway here. We have have a, a picture of our charter members and their signatures and everything else and what they signed up for, like just starting the church. And I thought about the people who are still alive and remain with us this morning. I thought about Matt and Rachel Lilly that they were there the very first service. We got their visitor card. And when they were there, they were like, afterwards, I don't think I found out right then, but they, they said that we just came and we were looking for a church, and they were like, this is the church. Matt and Rachel Lilly. I think about my daughter, Morgan, who was just a Morgan hacker now, but just a teenager working in the nursery. I think about Jim and Diana Lotz. I think about Dwight Ruley, who preached a couple weeks ago. Martha Lister and Dan and Mary Hercula. Think about those people who were the ones who were in the very beginning wondering, is this church ever going to make it? And God has been so good to us. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you have been here 10 years or more? Would you please stand? Okay. All right. Have a seat, please. How many of you have been here at least five years to ten years? Would you please stand? All right. Have a seat. How many have been here for less than five years? Would you please stand? All right. Listen, I praise God for all of you. Have a seat. The statistics on the first service was about the same. When Paul thinks about this, when he thanks God for these people, what's interesting, here's the thing that I struggle with the most in the book of Philippians. Is that Paul, we know that he went to Philippi, God works, people are saved. But as far as we know, he never went back to Philippi. But 10 years later, he's saying, man, I love you. I long to see you. I mean, there was a connection there. We do know from Philippians chapter 4 that when he was in great need, that the church of Philippi was the only church that helped him out just once and again, whenever he was in need, that they rose to the occasion. So no doubt they sent an entourage to connect with him. But when the apostle Paul thought of God's people, yeah, it was the people in the very beginning who were saved, but it was the people that had the relationships and the connections. And I, I'm just saying as a missionary church planner, a pastor, he ought, you ought to be able to say, Lord, I thank God for 
the people that you've given me to oversee and to care for. Number two, am I offering hope to God's people? He says in verse number six, and I am sure of this, I am confident of this, that he which began the good work in you will perform it, will bring it to completion until the day of Christ. James Montgomery Boy said he felt like this was one of the most three important verses in all the Bible. I love what Louis Burkhoff said. He said, it is, it is, strictly speaking, not man, but God who perseveres. That God began the good work in you, and God will bring it to pass. God is good that he is able to do that. F.B. Meyer said this. He said, as we go into God's great workshop, we find nothing that bears the mark of haste or insufficiency of power to finish. And we are sure that the work which His grace has begun, the arm of His strength will complete. And I love this ending. He says, It is easy to pray for a soul when you know that God is at work perfect, perfecting it. And all of us are sinners, and all of us need God's help to be more like Jesus day by day. Third question from a pastor's church planner, missionary standpoint Am I expressing love to God's people? Look at verse 7 and 8. He says, it's right, it's proper for me to feel this way about you. He had feelings for God's, God's people. He says, I hold you in my heart. He, he, he calls God as his witness how he yearns for you. He strains, he's reaching forth, he says, with the affections with Christ. He had a heart for the people. He had a love for the people. He, he felt for them. He held them in his heart. He yearned for them. The affections here is the, the inward parts down deep, that he loved these people. The verb form is the, the word that Jesus used in, in that where he had compassion for people. And Paul says, man, I have compassion. I have love. I love you way down deep, he's saying. And I can't imagine a shepherd that doesn't love his sheep. And you ought to find a church who make sure that you have a shepherd who loves the sheep. Paul could have said, you know, I have plenty on my plate. I have lots to do, lots of letters to write, lots of problems of my own. I'm too busy to let people know that I care for them. We're never too busy to let people know that we care. The fourth question that we're going to look at is, am I praying specifically for the needs of God's people? In verse 4, he says, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer. Verse number 9, he's going to give us the content of the prayer. He says, and it is my prayer. And then he spells out verses 9, 10, and 11, the prayer that he has for the church of Philippi. He prays for a discerning love, and he prays for wise decisions. He prays for a holy life. He prays for a fruitful living in their life. And let me ask you this question. There are other books and other churches that he writes to that he expresses a prayer to that church. But my question is, is how does he know what to pray for when it comes to the church of Philippi? He knows how to pray for them because he knows his sheep. He knows the burdens. He knows the concern. He knows the heartache. And no doubt the people in the church also let them or him know, let other shepherds know of their burdens and their struggles and their challenges. And here... A pastor is praying for his people. Acts chapter 6 and verse 4 says that pastors, shepherds, overseers, elders, bishops, 
that they might be people who are given to the study of God's word and praying for God's people. I may fail at a lot of things, but I cannot fail at that. Given to the study of God's word and praying for the needs of God's people. We have in our database what's called a shepherding list. As I prepare and put the finishing touches on my message on Saturday night, I, I usually on a regular basis, not as much as on Sundays, but on a regular basis, I go through that on a Saturday night. And I think about the, the parents who sent their kids off to college. I think about the young man who had surgery. I think about the people who are out of town. I think about the people who are on vacation. When I think about the people on vacation, you know what I think about? I think good things about them. Because I think they ought to be able to go away and enjoy some rest, a blessing. But then there are people I think about, and I'm like, I don't know where they are. How are they doing? Are they in the Word? Is God blessing their family? As pastors, as shepherds, we must give ourselves to prayer. A quote by uh, Edward Payson in E.M. Bounds' book, he says, Prayer is the first thing, the second thing, the third thing necessary to a minister. Pray then, my brother, pray, pray pray if you are desiring the office of a bishop if you're a shepherd a missionary a pastor are you thankful for God's people do you offer hope in letting them know that God is at work in their lives do you demonstrate and voice your love for those under your care and are you praying for those under your care the second perspective we're going to look at, not only are we looking at the heart of the shepherd, but we're really looking at from the people standpoint, the people in the pew, the church of Philippi. We're going to ask ourselves from a, the heart of a church member questions that we ought to ask ourselves. The first question, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 3, am I being a blessing to those who minister to me? Paul prays and he says, I thank my God in all remembrance of you. That he's saying, when I think about you, I think of all the fond memories. And I pray, when I pray, it's, it's prayer in joy. It, it's good things that God is at work and God is doing. He's thankful for the memories. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17 is a verse that I've said from the pulpit in the past. It's probably the verse that concerns me the most and throughout all the scripture as I serve as a shepherd. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. Context does not mean if I say to you after church, Hey, listen, go take my car and go give me a wash. Obey your leaders. All right? I wish it was that easy. Mow my yard. The obedience there is not obedience to me personally. It's obedience as the word of God is preached. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. The Bible says, What shall a man profit if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Every one of you has a soul, and that soul will live somewhere forever. As a shepherd... I know that I am responsible to those who are members of Community Baptist Church that in some way the Bible says that we are keeping watch over your souls and that we will give an account. 
that verse weighs on me like no other verse weighs on me. That in some way, as a shepherd, that I am helping you oversee your soul. I hope that you're concerned about your soul as much as I'm concerned about your soul. You will give an account, but the Bible says that I will also give an account. Catch the next phrase here. Those who are overseeing, let them do this with, what's the next word? Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, because if they do it with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Do you realize this morning that your response to the Word of God matters? That it can bring joy or groanings from the heart of your shepherds? Do you understand what you do makes a difference? That it can bring joy or groanings to the heart of your shepherds? What you do and what you say makes a difference. Wesley said this, He is not a good shepherd who does not either over his flock are grown for them. And the Bible says that when Paul thought of the church of Philippi, he thought of the memories and the blessings and, and, and the, the, the times when God was at work and it was a time of joy. Number two, as a church member, am I faithfully partnering with the work of God? Look in Philippians chapter 1. Verse 3, he thanks God for them. He prays for them. He prays with joy in verse 4. And he says this, I do this because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The first day was 10 years ago with him. He says, from 10 years ago when you heard the gospel and you believed, you started partnering with me in the gospel. We'll see more about that in Philippians chapter 4 later on about how they partnered, how they, they gave financially. And really in the context here, that's what he's talking about. He's like, you, you invested your heart and life into the gospel. You're, you're, you, you put something into it and you supported the ministry where I could preach the word of God. As believers, we have a common faith. As believers, we share in the fact that we're all recipients of God's grace. As believers, we share in a relationship that transcends political, nationality, educational, and social status. As believers, we share in a common task. We share in the sufferings of Christ. We share in our worship together. But as believers, following the Lord, he's saying, I thank God because of your faithfulness in giving. And I say this to you, Community Baptist Church, that from the very beginning of our church, God has blessed us financially. God's people have always given faithfully. Pastor Dan and I don't know what people give as far as the amounts that people give. But is it the testimony of your heart that you're partnering together with us as a church because of your partnership in the gospel? It's like, hey, I'm for this and I want God to work and I'm behind it. We almost make it hard here at Community Baptist Church to give. We don't pass the, the, the giving plates, the offering plates. You know, some people are like, what about the offering plates? Well, they're still where they were. If you want to give, find out where you're supposed to give. And guess what? God has been so good. God has met our needs. And I'm very thankful for your faithfulness and your giving. The third question, does my life give assurance that God is at work? He says in Philippians chapter 1, and verse 6, that he's sure of this. 
in essence, that there was a work of God that was begun in the heart of the people. And I ask you this morning, do other people that attend Community Baptist Church, are they sure that there's a work of God being done in your heart and life, that there was something that was done and something that is being done right now? That God's working in your life, that the Spirit of God is moving, that, that the Word of God is speaking to your life, that God is active and you're seeking Him and you're desiring to know His will, you're taking steps of obedience, or are you just status quo, playing games with the Lord? The fourth question that we ought to ask ourselves this morning, am I growing in my walk with Christ? If you're growing in your walk with Christ, then the prayer that Paul prayed in verses 9, 10, and 11 ought to reflect that growth. There's growth if my love is abounding more and more. Do you have a love that is abounding and that's growing and is growing with discernment and knowledge? Love is not blind, but God is working in our hearts that there's love in our hearts. They already loved. He's not saying, I'm praying that you will love. They already loved. He says, I'm praying that your love will abound more and more, that God will grow us in our love, and how we need that at Community Baptist Church. A love that overflows. If we're growing, then we're making the best decisions in verse 10. He says, so that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. The question is, am I making the best decisions? It's not, well, am I making a decision between what's good and, and bad? No, it's, are you making the best decisions? Are you making the right decisions for you spiritually and for your family? May we truly seek the, first the kingdom of God. We can have other interests and attention, uh, attention and affections for secondary things, but this is, Lord, help me to seek you first and foremost in verse number 11 if we're growing as we ought to it ought to be because we're allowing christ to produce fruit in us he says in verse 11 filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through jesus christ to the glory and the praise of god so i ask from a church perspective if you're a believer here this morning do you have a heart that reflects a believer's heart are you being a blessing? Are you partnering with God's work? Does your life reflect God at work in your, in your own life and soul? And are you, are you growing in your walk with God? And folks, we see the shepherd's perspective. We see Paul, the missionary, the church planner's perspective. We see the, the people and what he says about the people in the church. But I want us to see God in this text this morning. And this is where we really ought to glory in the gospel because of what God is doing and not only did in the heart of the church of Philippi, what he desires to do in our heart even today. I want to take you back to verse number three. The heart of God. God is to be thanked because it's, it's God that is building his church. When Paul is praying in verse number three, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. He's not saying, well, I'm thankful, I'm thanking God Specifically, he's not, he's, I'm, I'm, he's not saying, I'm thanking you. He's saying, no, I'm thanking God in remembrance of you. Because, see, God is the one who brought them together. God is the one who directed him to Philippi. God is the one who opened the heart of Lydia. God is the one who uh, caused the circumstances with the, uh, the, the jailer to happen where the man cries out, Lord, what must I do to be saved? God is the one who brought the church planter the shepherd, the pastor, Paul, together with his people, and God is the one who's building his church. 
and he is the one to be praised. He is the one to be thanked. Number two, I want you to see that God is the one who's working in our life. We can be assured of that, that we can be confident of that. Folks, if we are ever at a point where God is not dealing in our hearts and our lives anymore, we're in trouble. We are in trouble. Philippians 1 and verse 6 gives us the hope and the assurance and the confidence that no matter where you are, that God started a work, He continues a work, and He will complete that work. Philippians verse, chapter 1 and verse 6, God began the good work in you. That's called justification. Do you understand this morning that salvation starts with God? Do you understand, the Bible says in Ephesians, that you're dead in trespasses and sins? That if you're saved today, it's because of God. It's not because of you. It's because of God. That God, listen, began the good work in you. God did it. So he ought to be praised and thanked and glorified for what he has done. We ought not to be sitting on our high horses thinking, oh, boy, am I, am I not worthy to be saved? And am I not this? Am I? No, God, by his grace and his mercy, he saved you. And to him be the glory and the praise. God began the good work in you. It's called justification. God continues the good work in you. He says it will, he will bring it to completion. Bring it to completion suggests the idea of putting the finishing touches on it. Do you know we're, we're not there yet? There's work to be done. I don't know about you, but if you ever have company come over, do you know what happens when you have company come over? You start cleaning things that need to be cleaned for a long time, right? Things that were out and things that need to be put away. And matter of fact, this past week, they were like, man, we like having people over because then that's when we really get the house clean, ready for, ready for company. Do you know that the Lord is not in haste in completing us? He's not going to rush it. Day by day, through his word, by his spirit, through the life of other believers, God is molding us. He's making us. He's sanctifying us. He's changing us. And hopefully, through the process of sanctification, that we ought to be more like Jesus today than we were in the past. And then as we get closer to when we go home to be with the Lord, that there's less change because we've been sanctified and we've been changed day by day through the power of the Spirit and through His Word. And the third thing we see here is that we can be confident that God will complete our salvation, and that's called glorification. He says that He'll do this until the day of Jesus Christ. And when we are with the Lord, we will be glorified. Once we're glorified, there's no more work to be done on us. There's no more anger and frustration and sin and thoughts and, and all the other sin. There, there's none of that because we have been glorified. We are in Christ Jesus, and we will be with him forever. That's called glorification. God is at work in your life, folks. There is still hope as long as God is on the throne. Don't give up in God working in your heart. Open your heart. Follow him. Draw nigh to him. The third truth I want you to see here on the heart of God is that we can be assured that God answers prayer. 
And because he answers prayer, we ought to be people who are praying. We can pray for the needs of the church. We can pray for the needs of our own heart. And God is there. He wants us to cast our care on him. He wants to hear from his children. And we can pray um, as believers. And the fourth thing I want you to see here is God is the one who's producing fruit in us. John chapter 15 we talked about that we are to abide in him and that from him the fruit can come out. In verse 11 it says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. That fruit of righteousness does not come of our own producing, our own effort, our own discipline. It's that Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's that the, the Spirit of God lives in us and produces fruit. And we can be assured, we can have confidence in a God that cares for us, that's working our lives. To Him be the glory and the praise. You might ask yourself this question, why is God doing this? Why is He building His church? Why is He saving and sanctifying His church? Why is He answering prayer? And why is He producing fruit in our lives? Why? And I would say to you, I am so glad that you asked. Look at verse number 11. The very end of our text, it says, to the glory and praise of God. When I went through the, the book of Ephesians, the theme there is that it's what God is doing through His Son in the church for His glory. And Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10 says this, that, that God is working in the church. God is bringing different people of every tribe and nation and tongue and all differences. He's bringing God's people together. And he's doing it, as it says in Ephesians verse 3 and verse 10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. And this verse is teaching that even the angels would be looking at what God is doing from when the church was started and when people were being saved and throughout all of history that God is bringing all these people together and he's forming a body that even the angels in heaven are like, wow. And by his grace, he can do that in our hearts and our lives here at Community Baptist Church, but it is for his glory. If you are a church planner, missionary, or pastor, or one that desires the office of a bishop, are you thanking God for his people? Do you offer hope to God's people? Do you express love to God's people? Are you praying specifically for the needs of God's people? As a church member, are you being a blessing to those that minister to you? Are you faithfully partnering with the work of God? Does your life give assurance that God is at work? And are, are you growing in your walk with Christ? And whether you're one or the other church planner, pastor, shepherd, church member, we can be assured of these four truths. We can be encouraged that God is building his church. We can be encouraged that God is working in our lives. We can be encouraged that God answers prayer. And we can be encouraged that God desires to produce fruit in our hearts and our lives. And it's for his glory. Let's pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you have a spiritual need, if you don't understand what we're talking about when it comes to salvation, we would love to talk with you after the service or this week. 
If you're struggling in your spiritual walk with the Lord, if you have questions, if there's any way that either myself or Pastor Dan could be a help to you, we would desire to be a help and a blessing to you. But I trust that you'll help, that, that God will help us to look at our own hearts and our own lives and our own church and that we would be what God wants us to be by His grace and through His Spirit and founded on the Word and for His glory. And when God does that, it's all because of His amazing grace. And I pray that that is what God would do. So, Father, work in our hearts, change us, help us to be humble, to live for you, and allow you to help us to impact the world. We pray in your name. Amen.